One of the uh, joys of Christmas is uh, struggling as we do with both the humanity of Jesus as well as uh, the majesty majesty of Jesus. Uh, you know, trying to comprehend both uh, here is God in the form of a, a baby uh, and yet at the same time comprehending all that Jesus is and what he means and how he touches us personally and really just how awesome he is uh, and trying to bring that all into uh, perspective is, uh, is a challenge. And it should be a challenge. It should stretch us. Because on the one hand, we're saying God is very personal. Uh, we can know him and he knows us and he loves us. Uh, on the other hand, we're saying God just created the whole universe. And we can't comprehend that fully. And I want to look at that a little bit. Uh, look what uh, happened 2,000 years ago when Jesus came as a baby. Uh, he really didn't have a whole lot of ministry until he was about 30 years old. And then uh, when he was 30, he had a few disciples. He chose 12. Uh, one was a complete loser. And so he only really had 11 and, uh, you know, by the time Jesus was crucified, uh, three uh, and a half years after his ministry, uh, he really didn't have a huge following. Uh, you know, maybe you know, 200 close followers uh, of Christ, and no doubt many of those abandoned him at the cross, uh, not understanding all that was going to happen. And yet, uh, when we look at baby Jesus and uh, see, okay, with that start, uh, and we see where Christianity has gone and how Christ is still involved in the world today, it's really quite overwhelming. I mean, if you consider that one in every three Christians, or one in every three people on planet Earth, consider themselves a Christian. I mean, that's 2.4 billion people. There's 7 billion people in the Earth today. 2.4 consider them Christians, meaning they believe in Jesus. They believe that he died uh, on a cross. They believe that he was born from a virgin. They believe that Jesus came to make a way between the Father and, and us by forgiving us of our sins. I mean, from baby Jesus to 12 disciples to 200 to, you know, you can go in any country in the world. And you're going to find Christians. I mean, every nook and cranny and every like unknown country, countries you don't even think about, they're followers of Jesus. I mean, this is an awesome thing, what God is doing and has done over the last 2,000 years. Uh, both these like very personal, the human side of Jesus, connecting with our hearts. And then on the other hand, this awesome majesty, you know, majestic side of Jesus just in all that he does. It's, it's really amazing. And it's not just in, you know, the scale of those that believe. Uh, it's also interesting as to who believes. Uh, Jesus chose fishermen and peasants to be his, like, okay, here are the people I'm going to work with. I mean, it's just like such a crazy story. Uh, I mean, if it wasn't true, I mean... But it helps us because we realize, okay, God is interested in you and he's interested in me. But in that interest, he puts a passion in us that uh, transforms everything. I mean, if you look at the influence of Christ that he's had as a baby coming into this world, uh, it's really phenomenal on a whole bunch of different levels. Christ never wrote anything that we know of. I mean, he didn't write any books. 
I mean, he's got a real good book out. It's called the Bible. But, you know, he didn't actually, like, sit down and write it. He, he inspired humans uh, to write it. And yet the Bible's outsold any other book ever since the beginning. It's just the most incredible uh, book that's ever been. Uh, you know, if you try and analyze, like, what's the most popular download books now, they, they kind of have a real cute caveat. They say, well, we exclude the Bible because that's free. But here's the next best book. I mean, yeah, like the Bible's outselling and out-downloaded any other book around. I mean, it's just, it's phenomenal uh, because it's been, it had a huge influence. But of course, it's not just the Bible. The, the Bible is a book about Jesus. Uh, but if you just think about the topic of people writing books about Jesus outside of the Bible, there's more books written about Jesus than any other topic. I mean, it's just unbelievable. And it's not just uh, books. It's, it transcends to songs. More songs have been written about Jesus than any other song. And uh, if, for instance, you've been following along in this little handout that we gave at the beginning of Advent, uh, there's a real interesting story here about Handel's Messiah. And I'll read it to you if you, didn't read it, if you didn't actually read this. It says, when Handel was writing the Messiah, one of the most thrilling classical Christian works of all time, the process was messy. You know, as you're looking at this humanity of Christ and how he deals with us as people, and then doing something which is just like majestic, you know, Handel's Messiah. Uh, his servant would bring his meals to a closed door. Often the servant would return to see the meal untouched. A friend visited, visiting Handel once found him sobbing with, e with intense emotion. After 24 days, Handel emerged with 260 pages of manuscript, the Messiah in his shaking hands. I mean, this is a personal God. Uh, doing things through average and ordinary people that are just extraordinary. Uh, and it's not just music. It's not just songs. Uh, if you think of buildings, architecture, I mean, more buildings have been built uh, to represent the architecture of, of God than any other, any other thing. I mean, there's like cathedrals and, uh, you know, edifices uh, trying to capture... Uh, the awesomeness of God. Blake, I don't know if we had a slide in there of, um, uh, of uh, a cathedral in Barcelona. I actually didn't recognize it in the, in the beginning there. Did you have anything there? Um, there's this really crazy building. In, in, I'll, I'll describe it to you. Um, now, of course, my Spanish is so great. Uh, familia, gracia, familia, or something. I'm killing it. Thank you. Sagrada Familia. <laughs> Here's this, here's this um, how do I even describe this building? It's a church. It's a cathedral. Uh, you know, it's a, it was started in 1882. Uh, they're still building it. Uh, in fact, they just had a big service there in 2010. The Pope went down and said, okay, this, it's time now to, like, let's do a service in here. Uh, when you go, then you look at this building. I mean, you stand outside and you're like, I mean, you've got like towers going like this, and there's pomegranates on the top, and, and then there's like the crucifix of, of Christ in one area, and, you, and you're like, I mean, you just, but there's something amazing about it. 
you know, and they're still building it. I mean, it's still going on like a hundred and, you know, something years later. Here we go. We're still working on this thing. And I don't know when it's going to be finished. And, uh, but the point I'm trying to make is, you know, even today in architecture, uh, there's just so much architecture where people are just saying, look, I, I want to somehow or other be inspired by God and do something for God. Uh, and that certainly includes like, you know, what about art? Uh, or, you know, even doing statues. I mean, there's more artwork for Christ than any other topic. It's just, it's really unbelievable. It's all over. So what I'm saying is when Christ came to this world as a baby, it's something got started. And uh, we try and link both the birth of Christ uh, to what Christ is doing in our hearts today, where he motivates people, where he inspires us, and we do things for Christ. Christ is still changing lives. Things are still happening. Uh, Christ is still being uh, personal, and he's still holy. So uh, what I want you to get out of this sermon today is try and grasp both concepts, the humanity of Christ and the majesty of Christ. Uh, if you've got an uh, insert uh, in your bulletin you want to follow along with me, uh, Pull that out, and uh, I want to just emphasize a few things there that you may find helpful. But let me just uh, pray. Uh, Lord Jesus, uh, only you can do uh, what you can do, which is to reveal yourself personally, where we experience your love. Lord, where you inspire us from within, where you transform us, to be used by you, and where we just delight in giving ourselves and our time to worship you, to represent you. So, Lord, I just pray as I'm preaching today that you'd put uh, life into your words and uh, inspire our hearts. And, Lord, that we indeed may be in touch with your love, afresh and new. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Uh, I, the first point I, uh, I want to make here, just looking at the majesty of Christ, uh, you know, there's this a children's song, or maybe not even such a children's song, where Jesus says, I've got the whole world uh, in his hands. He's got the whole world in his hands. Uh, I wish I could sing it for you, but uh, that wouldn't be a good, uh, that wouldn't be too majestic, let me put it that way. <laughs> so uh, uh, I, I want to read on Christmas Day, this being our Christmas service, uh, the beginning of the Gospel of John. Uh, the, the Gospel of John is, is such an intriguing uh, writing. I mean, even this opening, it's poetic, it's profound, it's mysterious. Uh, I mean, just from a human level to have penned these words without being inspired, I mean, it's like I don't know how you would come up with this. But if we look at these words of the opening of Gospel of John, uh, listen to this. In the beginning, the Word already existed. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. He existed in the beginning with God. God created everything through Him, and nothing was created except through Him. The Word gave life to everything that was created. And His life brought light to everyone. 
The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness can never extinguish it. You know, I, I, that is just both poetic, it's profound, but to try and capture the Jesus part in that, uh, and at the expense of losing some of the, the poetry, uh, you could read it this way. In the beginning, Jesus existed. Jesus was with God. And Jesus was God. Jesus existed in the beginning with God. God created everything through Jesus. And nothing was created except through Jesus. Jesus gave life to everything that was created. And his life brought light to everyone. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness can never extinguish it. And it carries on in verse 10. Jesus came into the world he created, but the world didn't recognize him. He came to his own people, and even they rejected him. But to all who believe him and accept him, he gave the right to become children of God. They are reborn, not with a physical birth resulting from human passion or plan, but a birth that comes from God. So the Word became human and made his home among us. He was full of unfailing love and faithfulness. Wow. I mean, that is just so big and so majestic, you can't grasp it all. Uh, you can ponder it, you can think about it, and yet at the same time, God is saying, this is God's plan to reveal his love to us. He's saying, I am faithful and I'm going to reveal uh, his love. So the, if the first point in your handout was Jesus has the whole world in his hands, the second point I want to make is looking at the humanity. Jesus has unfailing love. Unfailing love. You know, if I just read that again at the end, he was full of unfailing love and faithfulness. Because God's concept of love is to say, how do I connect you and I with God, with God the Father? How do we make a way where we can be connected uh, and, and we can experience God's love, where somehow or other, internally, we can find hope and acceptance? Jesus is saying, this is my idea of love. And, of course, he was born as a baby, and it culminated in dying on a cross. Now, when Jesus was, uh, was born, uh, you know, just from a church history standpoint, uh, what we often underestimate is really all the turmoil and all that was going on uh, during this time. There, there was a lot going on. And uh, Jesus is helping us in many ways. He's saying, look, no matter what's happening in your life, uh, I'm both huge and majestic in the sense of saying, I can overcome anything. I can change anything. Uh, there's no power that's too strong. Uh, not in your own personal life, not in some religious sense, not in some political sense. I mean, when we look at all the wars that are going on around us and, you know, diseases like Ebola and, and you know, we can get so, like, uh, worried about these things. Uh, and in one sense, rightly so. But in another sense, God is saying, look, I am large and I am in charge and and I am majestic, and I have this all under control. Uh, and it, it helps us to uh, constantly look at Jesus every time 
you know, we have fear. Uh, and at the same time, Jesus is saying, look, you know, faith, this whole way this thing works is it's like a baby. Uh, it's not like you go to university and you get it all figured out or you go to seminary and get it all figured out and then you get Jesus. Uh, Jesus again and again keeps saying, no, no, the way into faith is like a baby. Uh, we don't come with anything. All we do is say, God, I believe and I, and I receive you. And I'm asking God on the basis of that from within, you know, like help me, educate me. And uh, again and again, God is saying, look, uh, I can reach out uh, to an, an intellectual person. I can re reach out to a baby. I can reach out to anybody. Uh, God, Jesus, is like appealing to everybody. Uh, you know, I had an interesting uh, situation here at church uh, last week. We often let our building get used out to uh, outsiders, non-church folks. And uh, we had uh, a group in here, and they were busy cleaning up. And Bernadette had moved the nativity scene from the foyer and put it over here. And they were using that area. And while they were cleaning up, the, the, they opened the doors. And this uh, little girl came over to the nativity scene. I don't know how old she was, maybe three. And she was just mesmerized by the nativity scene. And you know, we were walking by and we were cleaning up. And the vacuums were going. And, and she was still just... So I went over to her and I, and I, I, I said... Uh, you know, where's Jesus? And she like points to Jesus in the manger. And I, and I said, well, who are these other people? And she said, well, I don't know. <laughs> so I, I said, can you see the shepherds? And she's kind of looking who might be a shepherd. And, and so I realized, okay, she doesn't really know the, the gospel at all. You know, so I said, well, this is Jesus' mother. This is Mary. And, uh, you know, he, these are the shepherds, and, uh, and these are the wise men, and she's looking at them, and she's just enamored. And I said to her, now, why is Jesus in this little, like, grass basket? She said, I don't know. So I said, well, think about it. It looks kind of cold. It's like outside. Don't you think baby Jesus is cold? She said, oh, yeah, he looks real cold. So I said, well, who would you like to be in this scene? She said, I'd like to be Mary. So I said, okay, if you're Mary, what are you going to do with Jesus? She said, oh, I would just like to take him to his room right now and uh, that he could get really nice and warm and we'd just keep him nice and warm because it looks real cold out here. I said, but that's the problem. He doesn't have a room. He's outside. So uh, she said, oh, well, he needs to warm his hands up and he, and he needs to warm his feet. And she's like reaching over to baby Jesus. And so I just, you know, I, I, I honestly, I wasn't really thinking a whole lot about it, and I walked away, and uh, I came back later on, and she'd moved all the manger pieces, all the people were like <laughs> around Jesus, keeping Jesus warm. <laughs> you know, I, I'm telling you, Jesus, Jesus can reach all of us. I mean, from a baby, they get it. I mean, it's a three-year-old, uh, you know, to to an adult. I mean, whether we connect with Jesus on an emotional level or, or, or what, it's both. It's both. Jesus wants to reach us. But uh, if, if we go back to uh, Jesus being born and we kind of think about the setting uh, into which he was born, it, this wasn't, uh, you know, a, a wonderful, peaceful uh, scene. You know, for the 60 years building up towards Jesus' birth, I mean, it was, it, it, there was a lot of unrest. Uh, I mean, there, were, there was unrest within the Jewish communities. Different, you know, set, sects within the Jewish community were vying for power and, 
and this is how we do religion, and, and there was animosity between them. But mostly there was like real animosity towards the Romans who were now uh, like sweeping through this area, and, and uh, there were all sorts of wars going on. And uh, as they were struggling for, you know, this place, Jerusalem, and as we had looked in the, the series just recently, rebuilding the temple and rebuilding the walls, you know, 600 AD, 60, I mean, 60 AD, 60 years before Jesus was born, uh, Jerusalem, the walls in the city were really just awesome, and they were fortified, and it was just like this majestic place. And uh, the Romans come in here, and, uh, you know, Pompey comes in, and he's like, I've got to take control of Jerusalem. There's just too many, uh, there's too much strife, and they try and do it by uh, seizing one of their leaders and keeping him captive in, in Rome and saying, look, okay, if we hold on to this leader, then maybe the Jews will settle down and listen, but they don't. And so finally, uh, Pompey, you know, he comes in, uh, there's a lot of military struggle, but he's got to find out who is this God that these Jewish people uh, worship. And he's got no reverence for the temple. You know, he rides right into the temple, goes right into the Holy of Holies, just pulls the curtain aside, and he wants to meet this God. And of course, he's absolutely mortified that there's no, like, idol. There's no statue. There's no God. There's just, like, some scrolls, you know. And he's like, ah, that's foolishness of the Jews. And, you know, he leaves. Totally misses it. And, of course, you know, with that act, he was infuriated the Jews. I mean, this real sacred place. But again, his idea is a Roman, like, you know, Romans, we great. We've got lots of gods. I mean, and you can't even see your god. And uh, we worship many gods. You only worship one god. I mean, like, what's wrong with you, idiot? I mean, that was the mindset. And then to try and get some peace, they put Herod the Great. Now, Herod the Great, the name the Great was because he was doing great at building projects. But he was like Herod the Terrible when it came to morality. I mean, he killed three of his sons, killed two of his wives. I mean, this guy was brutal. I mean, he was dealing with, you know, attacks on every end, Cleopatra, one land in that area. So that was an enemy of his. And, you know, Mark Antony had been in battle in the areas around there just before he was uh, elected as king. And he was half Jewish. And, and you know, he was just really hated uh, by the Jews. And so now when Jesus gets born uh, and the wise men are saying, okay, we've come to worship Jesus, and Herod, as you know, the story in the Bible is like, okay, let me just kill all the babies because, you know, one of them will threaten me. Meantime, like, King Herod's like a real old guy. I mean, no baby's going to grow up and threaten his kingdom because he's old, but he's just ruthless. I mean, he just killed everybody. That's the setting into which, you know, this wonderful, sweet scene that we have little manger scenes of, you know, cute Jesus comes into being. I mean, it's, it's tension-filled. So, you know, with that as a backdrop, uh, let's look at the account in Luke, chapter 2. At the time, the Roman emperor, Augustus, decreed that a census should be taken throughout the Roman Empire. And it says, all return to their own ancestral towns to register for the census. And because Joseph was a descendant of King David, he had to go to Bethlehem in Judea, uh, David's ancient home. He traveled there from the village of Nazareth 
in Galilee. He took with him Mary's fiance, who was now obviously pregnant. And while they were there, the time came for her baby to be born. She gave birth to her first child, a son. She wrapped him snugly in strips of cloth and laid him in a manger because there was no lodging available for him. You know, and so on the one hand, uh, we look at this account and we just look at the humility and the humbleness uh, of Jesus. You know, we, we just looked at the John account. Yeah, he's the creator of the universe. Uh, you know, it's just awesome. But on the other hand, he's a helpless baby. Uh, so that humanness, that humbleness, is where we can identify with. We can identify with a baby. We can identify with somebody, a God, Jesus, actually loving us. And yet we can also marvel at all the things that Jesus has done and is doing throughout the universe. Uh, it's a tension between the personalness of God and the grandness of God. It, it, we, we live in that tension. And, and as we approach Christmas, there should be some of us which is uh, you know, desirous of, God, I, I need your love. God, I need your help. And there should be part of us which is like, God, you're just so unbelievably awesome. You're just so huge. Uh, and yet you're not distant. So in a similar way, you know, when you look at how you describe God, sometimes he's described as a lamb. And other times he's described as a lion. You know, it's both, depending on the context. Uh, when I think of the personalness of God, the love of God, uh, God coming as a baby and really like being interested in you and in me. Uh, it's helpful when we see, hear people's testimonies. It's always encouraging to us when we see, well, how did God like break into your life? Uh, how did he break into my life? Uh, how did he actually do that? And when we hear testimonies, sometimes we hear the dramatic testimonies, you know, those where people were like so far from God, there might be, you know, having dealt with drugs or addictions and uh, their lifestyle was just so different from God and somehow other God breaks through and then they totally transformed. But actually the, the testimonies that often are more appealing to me are the testimonies for just like average people. You know, they're just average people going about their average life and then God breaks in. I, I just find those sometimes so accessible. So I've got one uh, video here from a guy from another vineyard church that where they recorded uh, testimonies. And I, I just want to show you this, just uh, see if you can identify with this testimony. I grew up in a church that my family went to for years. It was pretty much the typical going to Sunday Mass and just kind of what we were told to do it wasn't necessarily what I truly wanted to do. You know, it was the the same thing over and over again, and you didn't really learn anything about what they were trying to teach you. I stopped going to church pretty much when I started college. I mean, it was I was away from my family. I didn't really have the obligation of having to go. A friend of my wife's 
was actually coming to the vineyard and had invited us one time, and we came. And it was, uh, you know, it was it was a different, it was interesting to see a totally different perspective on how how they talked about Jesus, how they talked about the Bible, how they taught the Bible. It was interesting, but it still never never really came back. I went once, and basically for another six months, eight months, I never really considered coming back. What happened after the, in between that six months to eight months was a lot of uh, tragedy pretty much in my life, uh, mostly with my wife. We were trying to get pregnant for a while. She had difficulties getting pregnant. Um, so then we did two rounds of fertility. Neither of them succeeded. Um, afterwards, she ended up getting pregnant on her own. And unfortunately, uh, last Thanksgiving, we lost the baby. I really didn't know where to go from there. And we were just kind of sitting there one day, and she made the comment and just says, you know, I feel like I'm missing something. Something in our life is just not there. We're missing it. And she's like, let's, let's go back to the vineyard and just, just see what it's like. I'm sitting there listening to the sermon, and all of a sudden, the topics that he was hitting, he was talking about loss, talking about difficulties in job, and then like, that was right where I was at the time we started coming back and you know three four five times there was something in there that felt like it was talking to me and at that point i'm like this is not a coincidence anymore there's somebody something telling me that this is where i need to be this is where we need to be to start healing start getting back into jesus into god and everything you just get kind of get this feeling in your in your gut in your heart you know, just something's there that wasn't there before. And like, it just kept, you know, kept getting stronger. And it felt like to me that I had something else to go to when I had problems or I felt upset or angry instead of just dealing with it myself. Every, it doesn't matter where you come from or what your background is, something's gonna draw you into Jesus. Yeah, thank you. Uh, you know, the personalness of God is just that, where he knows where each one of, each one of us are at. He knows that each one of us uh, needs some degree of hope, some degree of love, some degree of things can change and things can be better. And uh, each one of us in a different situation. Uh, but really, because we're human, we all are needy. We all need God in one sense. And uh, because we are human, we all do things which are like, let's just say stupid, you know, or you could say sinful. Uh, we're not Jesus. We don't look like him. We don't act like him. We don't make decisions like him. And yet what Jesus is saying is he wants us. He wants to help us. He wants to empower us to become more like him, which is an ongoing lifelong journey. And again, at you know, this Christmas Day, I, I would just uh, ask you to just consider, you know, where's your barometer, so to speak, of passion or excitement for Jesus? Uh, have you let it grow cold? Have you got uh, despondent? Are you uh, disillusioned? Uh, is it a time when you maybe tried a few things on your own or you know, Jesus was great for a season, but now you've kind of gone a little cold again. Uh, maybe it's a time when you can say, God, you know, 
I need you again. I need you to encourage me again. I need you to give me a fresh vision of hope going forward. Uh, Jesus, I need your strength. And uh, in January, we're going to do a sermon series looking at how do we get God's wisdom out of the book of James. Like, how do we apply that? How do we, you know, smarten up God's way? We're all making decisions, and we all make you know, some decisions better than others. But when God is speaking to us, uh, and when God is encouraging us, and particularly when God is inspiring us, I mean, it just gives us so much energy. And uh, often we just need to have like an outlet for that energy. Like we need to want to write songs or uh, you want to build things for the Lord or you want to read things about the Lord or you want to get in small groups to talk about the Lord. Uh, you know, those things become exciting and inspiring. Uh, and so again, just ask yourself, how are you doing with Jesus uh, this Christmas? Uh, have you put... Jesus into the box of only being a baby. And somehow other, he's like powerless or he's cute, but he's not, you know, impacting your life. Do you perhaps need to focus on the majesty of Jesus, the bigness? Or maybe you've been, you know, focusing on the bigness of Christ. Uh, you've been reading a lot, but perhaps Christ has become distant. And you need to recalibrate back to the baby Jesus, the personal Jesus, the love of Jesus. Why don't we uh, have the worship team coming up and uh, uh, let's close out. Uh, I, I want to pray a, a blessing on you um, this Christmas season because uh, what I, I want to pray of you is the scripture out of Hebrews. Because in one sense, uh, God gives us a, a real simple instruction here to receive him. And so in Hebrews, it says this. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. So Lord Jesus, I just pray for your people this Christmas day. Lord, that they would uh, be able to fix their eyes on you. Lord, not on all the issues, not on all the problems, not on our illnesses, not on our family uh, challenges, but Lord, that we could fix our eyes on you. And Lord, in doing so, you would fill them, Lord, with your love. Lord, we thank you that you initiate, that you're searching for us and you're seeking us and you desire us. So, Lord, we just open our hearts. We say, Lord, we receive you. Lord, as you instructed us in the Gospel of John that I read earlier, that we might believe you and receive you. Whatever stage of life we're in, I just pray your blessing. I pray your blessing on the, the teenagers. I pray the blessing on those that have got school vacation break to look forward to. I, I pray blessing on the college students. Lord, I, I, I pray for blessing on the grandparents. And Lord, that this would be 
a blessed Christmas season. In your name, Jesus. Amen. Why don't you stand? Uh, let's close out with a, a song, and then we'll have a, a chance for receiving prayer. Jesus, I, I thank you for being real, for giving us hope that you do bring joy to our soul. And Lord, I just uh, pray that uh, this season would be a time of blessing with our families. In your name, Jesus. Amen. Uh, you know, I want to give a chance for those of you that would like to receive prayer. Uh, firstly, for those that would like to just say, God, I, I don't know what gift you got for me. Uh, I, I really am uh, excited about you. I, I want to just humble myself and say, God, I just want to receive whatever it is that you want to give me. Uh, so this Christmas, you know, there might be some of you just saying, God, you know, I, I need to just start again with you. I, I need my hope rekindled. I just come forward and I just want to receive whatever gift you've got for me. And if that's you, I just encourage you to come forward. Uh, we've got a ministry team that'll, that'll pray for you and uh, we'd gladly do that. On the other hand, some of you, this is a very difficult time. Christmas just brings up a whole bunch of issues and you really are struggling, uh, and we'd love to pray for you as well. Uh, Kevin, you might have uh, something else for us that you wanted to share. And um... uh, This morning I just felt like there was a very simple message um, for us that uh, God in his infinite love um, gave his son for us. Um, and... Uh, um, sorry. <laughs> And uh, I just believe this morning that um, uh, if we open ourselves um, to him uh, during this moment and during the season, we can um, ex experience that love. And then um, secondly, um, if there's anyone who doesn't know what it is to have a, a personal relationship uh, with Jesus, um, maybe you feel like uh, God is uh, cruel or distant or uninvolved, um, I believe he wants to show you what he's really like. He, he wants uh, you to know him uh, today. And um, if you'd like to do that, I just encourage you to come. Uh, you can talk to Rob or talk to one of the prayer team, and, and we'd love to um, tell you how, how you can uh, have a relationship with him. And uh, if there's anything else you'd like prayer for, um, we'd love to pray with you. So this is your chance. You can come on down if you would like to receive prayer. Just I want to receive whatever gift God you have for me. Or on the other hand, it's a difficult time. Or as Kevin described, you don't know Christ personally and you'd like to do that. And if that's you, we have a Bible which is particularly helpful uh, to getting going and started with Jesus. Bless you guys. Have a great uh, week. Have a great Christmas. Uh, see you Christmas Eve uh, if you're here on uh, Christmas Eve. Bless you.